Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone. This is Paul Brennan, PGA professional with Believe in Tennessee Golf here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Our show is a breakdown of all things golf in the volunteer state. We will cover men's and women's golf tournaments, professional amateur events, dive into junior golf as well. We will talk to the players, the instructors, and the organizers. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. You can also find us on your favorite directories, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminaire, TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at pbrannon21 or on Twitter at QIC underscore golf pro so here we are two weeks into july weather's beautiful we're playing golf sneds tours regional events have uh started and, and most are concluding this week leading up to the tournament of champions july 21st and 22nd to be held at the golf club of tennessee again you can check all that out on snedstour.org Going into the Pro-Am Series in Knoxville, Gettys View, congrats to Casey Flanagan shooting 65, winning. Coming in second with a 70, Braxton Hunter. Moving over to the Tri-Cities, we had at Glen Rokey, uh, Dylan Jones shooting 67, Alan Fennell shooting 69, and Chris Stacey coming in third with 72. Moving to the Mid-State, over at Ted Rhodes, Randy Hilton shooting 67, Mr. Hot Bill Breen coming in at 68. Audie Johnson, Scott Masters tying for third at 69. Some great playing out there this week, guys and girls, in the Pro-Am Series. So jump on the websites, uh, golfhousetennessee.com. Click on the directories, find the local Pro-Am for you, get your group, play next week, see what's going on. So staying in the listeners' questions this week, um, this one's got a an uncommon theme. Last week was a lot of... Improvement practice this week a little bit across the board, so we'll go ahead and dive in with our first question coming in from Caitlin. Caitlin asking how to get her daughter more involved in golf. Um, so Caitlin, the first thing I'm going to tell you to do is look at, for 2021, the Drive, Chip, and Putt series. It's a free service. Uh, the PGA, the USGA, and the Masters organization put this event on. Uh, there are local qualifiers held throughout the United States offer an opportunity to qualify to go to nationals, regionals, and wind up at Augusta. Um, that is always a great one. Uh, Brent Seneker sponsors the SNEDS Tour, so depending on how much your daughter has been playing, uh, getting her out and playing some events like that, just about all your local courses are going to have some type of junior camps and clinics that you can look into as well. I know here in the mid-state at the uh, little course, uh, Galen Coods group does an amazing job out there with Valerie um, Vaughn as well. Um, but teaching the day camps and doing the overnight trips uh, throughout the series and playing at the little course, working your way up to the Aspen Grove Challenge if possible. So those are some great chances there. But check into uh, golfhousetc.com, go to the junior site, and it will help direct you to ways to get your child playing golf. So, Caitlin, I hope that helps out just a little bit. Next one coming in from Instagram, Jimmy, how to choose a putter. So, I know I've covered putting um, and fitting multiple times, but the questions always come up. Um, And it's one of those things that you talk about it, it's putting is an art and putting is a science. 
Um, the art of it is your speed and your touch and, and finding your line. Are you a die putter or are you a firm putter? Uh, the science is finding the putter that does the best for you. Um, now I know our friends at Seymour, based here in the Nashville area, uh, mainly make center shafted putters, but they do do some variations of some double bend shafts and even a plumber's neck um, that they have. Different necks are going to give you different amounts of offset depending on if you're left eye or right eye dominant as a right hand player, where you tend to see the hole and where you tend to miss it. Um, but the biggest thing I tell you, Jimmy, is go somewhere. I know that um, the guys at Seymour, Cody, Jim, uh, they use predominantly Sam Putt Lab, which is one of the top putting systems out there. They're going to put the sensors on there and do uh, a really good calibration test of where you're hitting on the face, how much rotation your putter has back and forth, and what kind of line you're on. Uh, we personally use the Biomeca at, at my studio, um, a less expensive system. It still does a really good job of talking about rotation, tempo, speed, path, doing a lot of the same calibrations. Uh, Tommy's another good one um, as well. Um, over over the years, there's been a lot of really good putting style um, launch systems. Uh, Hack Motion makes one that you can put on the uh, back end of the, or Blast Motion puts one that you can put on the back of your putter and transmits to your iPhone or your iPad and you can do some video as well so um, there's some really good information out there but Jimmy what I'd tell you to do is get with your local professional at your club or go to one of the, the facilities there at PJ Pro can spend some time with you um, work on your putting and, and take you through the putter fitting what I tend to do when I'm going through a putter fitting um, first I have you roll your putts we've got an eight footer uh, on our putting green that we have set up and um, I'll have you roll some putts, and I'll notice where you're tending to make it or miss it, and I'll shoot a laser uh, down the sight line of your putter and show you where you're lined up in comparison to the hole. Now, again, using the Biomech, I can do the exact same thing without the laser um, once we get it calibrated at that. But using that information, we're able to see where you're lined up at address, and then we go ahead and run the putt, and we see where your putter is at impact. And if there's a major change in the stroke or the path there, we can kind of start to correct that. Now, as you get into mallet putters, the bigger, uh, and again, but becoming more popular on tour, lots of guys using the spiders and the two ball uh, and, and variations of those. But the bigger putters have a higher moment of inertia, just meaning resistance of twisting um, in, in the MOI. And the less twisting it is, the more online you're going to send it. So a bigger mallet allows you to mishit it heel or toe and still get pretty good performance. Now we've seen Tiger putt with the Ardmore from TaylorMade before. Tendency is to go with something more of a Newport or Answer style putter, um, whether it's his tie list or even some of his time with Nike. But again, the putter look is going to be something that's personal to you. Um, I can tell you the best putter in the world is blah, blah, blah. And if it doesn't look good to you, then you're always going to think that person talked you into it or I talked you into it. Um, so the things that we really focus on is finding a putter that performs the best for you, but also that looks appealing to the eye. Now, I know years ago, Two Ball uh, with Odyssey, they actually made a blade version of that. So they cut out the toe and heel area that was curved gave it that answer blade look and on the face but then they had the two balls extended back to give you that sight in the line so jimmy um choosing the putter for you the the 
things I've always said is once you find the neck or the offset that you need best, um, then it's just finding what feels better to you. So again, use the science to figure out what type of neck or putter you had and the art, just which one feels better and looks a little bit better to you. So check out the guys at Seymour.com or you can go to um, any of the local uh, clubs, PGA professionals can definitely walk you through, or some even the big box stores have a PGA professional. They can walk you through with your current putter and help you improve that or put you in a new putter. So staying on the shorts game side, this question coming in for Tim is how to dial in wedges. Um, and you're seeing more and more of this each week on tour uh, with the guys are, that are winning the tournaments and playing well are hitting their wedges and their short irons a little bit closer to the hole. Um, and, and the ways to really talk about dialing in your wedges. Now, I know uh, if uh, your club or center has a trackman, there's a trackman combine and the wedge combine that you can go through, and they have you hit multiple shots from distances um, and help you formulate a score or a handicap, show you areas you need to improve. Um, I've talked about before Rob Aikens and Charlie King's book, Red Zone Challenge. Uh, they have you hit shots from 20, 40, 60, 80, and 100 yards. And again, based on how far you fly it to your target, you accumulate points. That goes into a playing handicap. They kind of show you where your uh, approach game is coming in. Um, I think I've talked about this on the show before, but where I grew up, a uh, little nine-hole course, when we went to 18, we, we lost our driving range. And so what the local pros suggested to me when I go out and practice is hit shots at bunkers. So I would go out late in the afternoon, get on a hole where nobody else was going to be around. I would step off the distance from the front of the bunker to where I was hitting from, and I knew how deep the bunker was. And that way when I hit the shots, I could really see where they bouncing in, where they landing in, and once they landed in, I could really get an understanding of how far they were flying. Um, and I like to talk about wedges as far as carry distance. And, and the reason behind that is, Lots of greens are going to be different. If you're playing the firm Bermuda greens, you're going to have balls that roll and release a little bit more. If you're playing the soft bent greens, especially as much as they're going to be watered in the heat now, they're going to hold a lot more. So just because the ball finished at 70 yards doesn't mean it always flew. Now, again, most people are going to hit a wedge high enough and have some backspin on it, so it's only going to roll you know, inside of 10 yards in most cases. But again, being able to understand those fittings um, and, and those swings of producing different shots. Now, I've done a lot of studying on the Dave Peltz system of scoring, uh, and I've found it to work for a lot of my students. And what Peltz talks about in his system, um, it's from his, his book, Short Game Bible, but he talks about learning three different swings with your wedge. And he does a 7.30, which is just basically hands and club back, not breaking past parallel. 9 o'clock, uh, talking about where the uh, arm is uh, across the chest. And then 10.30, where you get the arms and the hands up above the shoulders. And those, in his opinion, are the only three shots you should hit. Now, in his chapter, he talks about carrying five wedges. So five wedges, three swings, it gives you 15 distances. And again, if you go somewhere that has TrackMan, Foresight, FlightScope, um, that can help you calibrate those numbers. Uh, Tim, it's a really good way to spend some time. I know there's a lot of facilities that will allow you to rent time on the TrackMan or the, the, the launch monitor that they have. Um, I've talked about the Ernest Sports before, which is a really good one. Um, I've talked about uh, the Mizo, which is a very affordable launch monitor as well. Uh, even the uh, Voice Caddy are, are all some really good 
inexpensive launch monitors that you can buy personally to have, take to the range, and start hitting those shots to get the feel. Um, I've you know I've spoken before after uh, 2016, Dustin Johnson bought a, his own track man, started spending some time with the wedges, and that's when he goes on to win the U.S. Open in 17. So by dialing in that wedge play. So Tim, uh, get with your local pro, get with somebody that has a track man, uh, Foresight, uh, buy you one of the inexpensive launch monitors, get out in a field, lay down some towels, and just practice hitting those different 7.30, 9 o'clock, and 10.30 style shots and figure out how ball, how far the ball's flying. Put those in your little yardage book cover that you or that I carry in my back pocket, and that kind of helps me judge those shots when I get on the golf course. Um, so, Tim, I hope that helps you dial in those wedges. The other thing to look at is wedge fitting. Uh, I know that our facility, what we do is we'll have you hit the uh, – the shortest wedge that comes with the set, whether it be the pitching wedge or the approach wedge, and then we have you hit a uh, the longest or the shortest full swing you want to make. Um, so if you decide 60, 70, 80 yards, whatever that is, we'll go through, we'll put you in a wedge that produces a loft that produces that, and then we find out how big of a gap between that one and the next wedge, which would either be your approach or pitch, depending on the set, and then mix that up with the number of wedges. So I, I currently have a, a four wedge set up with my pitch, my gap, my sand, and my lob. Um, pretty traditional with that. Uh, again, Peltz talks about the five wedge system. He introduces the 64 degree wedge, which we've seen Mickelson make very popular on tour. But again, just looking at those wedges, get some time, get on the monitors, figure out how far to fly it. Um, but the Peltz system of scoring the 730, 9 o'clock, 1030 is a great way to go about that. So this one coming in from Dustin um, talks about last round playing really good on pace to shoot one of his best scores um, and somebody makes the comment he adds up the score and the next thing you know he blows up on the last couple of holes um, and, and so we talk about this as comfort zone golf but he wants to know how do you focus more on the golf course and, and so Dustin this is where a lot of the pre-shot routine comes in and there's a lot of great authors on this uh, Dr. Kim Winters, uh, Dr. Gio Volante, Dr. Joseph Parent, Dr. Bob Rotella um, again, you'll notice a trend. All those had doctor in front of their name. Um, but they're all sports psychologists who've gone through and helped. And one of the biggest commonalities throughout their books is pre-shot routine. And the pre-shot routine is just something that gets you prepped and prepared to hit the next shot. It doesn't matter what's going to happen after that. It doesn't matter what's happened before that. It's just living in the moment. Uh, Rotella talks about uh, working with Davis Love uh, the third in one of his books. And how Davis, when he came out of college, didn't think he was that good of a putter. They spent some time on the putting green. They were watching some of the some NBA All-Star games. Davis Love had gone to college with Michael Jordan. They were friends uh, at University of North Carolina. And they just watched how Jordan did the same thing before he shot. Uh, they talked about uh, Mark Price. They even talked about how Larry Bird did the exact same things in the three-point shooting contest that year. Um, and so they really built a routine around Davis's putting. And when Davis goes to the putting green, he only practices with one ball. He makes it just like he's playing on the golf course. Um, so the pre-shot routine really falls into that. And it's, it, you can have different routines for drivers, irons, wedges, putters. That's your own thing. Um, and there's no one cookie cutter uh, It does it all. We've seen Jim Furyk's putting routine where he actually gets over the putter, over the ball, multiple times uh, and backs off and, and talks to his caddy uh, to discuss where his line is, what he feels as he goes through this. Um, 
we've seen um, Jason Day actually close his eyes and vision shot helps him get his balance and stability, something he started doing when he was playing really well, but also when he was struggling with vertigo back at Chambers Bay and some of the other events that season. Um, but so all the guys are going to do a couple of things differently, but they've done things that make sense to them. Um, so Dustin, what I'd tell you to do is pick three guys playing this week at Memorial, um, watch what they tend to do before, um, and you'll start to notice that they all do about the same thing each time. And it may just be, and I'm making up names here, say Ricky Fowler makes two practice swings and steps in the shot. Maybe you need to make one. Um, we've seen um, Justin Rose over the years working on a swing path actually makes a practice swing where he drops the club down very severely. It's not the real swing he makes, but it's how he relaxes the body to step up for the next shot. So part of his swing route, pre-shot routine is a mechanical motion. doesn't always have to be, but it can be. Um, so Dustin, again, uh, my homework for you on that one be pick three guys this week um, at the Memorial Watch, see, study them all week, and each time they're hitting the shots, just kind of jot down some notes of a couple of things that you notice that they do. And then when I built my pre-shot routine years ago, I just basically did the same thing, wrote it out, acted it out. If I liked it, I kept it. If I didn't, I got rid of it. Um, and my routine really hasn't changed in the past 10, 12 years. Um, maybe some slight adjustments, but the overall just is the same thing as far as the, the practice swing, the twirling of the club, and just things like that that help me relax and loosen up. So Dustin hopes it helps you get a little bit more focus on the golf course. Mitch coming in, and this is what I'm calling the dude DeChambeau problem. How do I get more distance off the driver? So, Mitch, I, I've talked about this before. There, there are three things um, that quickly go to distance. And number one is technique, just working on the swing. And then I was watching uh, Swing Expedition with Chris Como, and where he was being interviewed by Golf Channel about the changes he's made in Bryson's swing as Bryson has made these huge physical challenges and how he's actually able to maintain the speed um, and the technique and the, the accuracy he's wanted to. Um, so technique is always the first. Um, number two, I go with technology. Use a driver, use a shaft combo that work better for you. Uh, and then number three uh, is the fitness aspect, again, which Bryson's actually kind of doing there with the, for him, the, the bulking up, but it's using the golf-specific muscles, uh, doing some workouts for twisting and turning. Uh, I know personally... Uh, I developed or started working with a company called uh, Super Speed Sticks, and I saw an amazing improvement in the first six weeks of using their product. Um, speeds got faster. I got more distance. I didn't lose any accuracy at all because I wasn't really changing a technique. I was just changing it the rate in which my muscles were firing. Um, so, again, it's not a shameless plug, but it's something that's worked really well for me. Uh, Gold Flex, Orange Whip, all do some type of strength trainers. Um, so there's a lot of great products out there that you can work on. Um, but go back to the fitness training episode I talked about. Um, and uh, Performance One down in Franklin here in Tennessee is one of the top 50 fitness instructors. Miss um, Ashley there runs that facility, so you can definitely reach out to her and have her walk you through a fitness routine that could work a little bit. Um, I know uh, Dustin Johnson's uh, instructor, Joey D. You can go to joeydgolf.com. Uh, you can look at his uh workouts he does with Dustin. He sells you some different formats, um, DVD, uh, 
books or download streaming, stuff like that, that you can work on as well. Um, so if you're looking for the fitness aspect, look in getting with a personal trainer, spending some time uh, on the golf-specific muscles, working on the turn, the rotation, um, just getting that torso, uh, being able to coil and uncoil a little bit faster. Um, but to stay on Mitch's topic uh, of the driving distance, I wanted to kind of talk about the, the playoff we had at Muirfield this week. At the Workday Charity Open, um, and that was Colin Morikawa and Justin Thomas battling into those final positions there um, and going into the, the multiple hole playoff. And just looking at some quick numbers, so I know distance is the, the cool thing. We always want to hit it further, and of course the RNA has spoken back up about the distance debate and trying to do something to, to stop the PJ Tour from hitting as far. But again, with the changes that Bryson went through with his body to get the distance, how can you stop that? So they're going to be looking at retuning the golf ball and retuning clubs. Possibly, at least that was what the discussion was. But so we look at Colin and we look at Justin. Um, this week, their driving distance, Colin averaged 297.5. Justin averaged 296.5. So the overall distance... They're within a yard, so we'll just call that dead even. When we look at their greens and regulations, um, Colin averaged 73.6, Justin averaged 72.2. So again, we're, we're talking about 1% here, so very minimum difference right there. Now, when we start to see the major changes, driving accuracy. Colin was able to hit 71.43% of his fairways, where Justin only hit 67.89, and we actually saw that in the playoff on the final hole where Justin drove it into the rough, and then from there he had to punch out, uh, knock it on the green, and Colin knocks it up there, makes the putt, and goes on to win the hole. Um, so by Justin missing a fairway, even though their distance was almost identical and their greens and regulation were almost identical, that shot from the fairway or from the rough uh, adds to it. Uh, and I know Strokes Gained uh, by Mark Brody talks about looking statistically for the PJ Tour, they're going to bogey one out of every four holes that they hit it in the rough. So, again, it, it adds .25 shots over the course, so you're going to bogey one out of four. Um, so I understand trying to hit driver all the time, but it plays a part into the accuracy, hitting it in the fairway, not just hitting it further. Um, and then the other big separator there was the strokes gained putting. Um, Colin gained 1.18 strokes on the field this week in putting, whereas Justin only gained 0.75. So that uh, 0.3, strokes difference um, is what helped Colin making that putt on the last hole. Um, pull out the win. Again, it's the second win on the PJ Tour um, in, in like his first 20 starts or something amazing like that to talk about. But it's not about distance. These two guys drove it equally um, and they hit about the same amount of greens. It was just the fact that Colin hits it in the fairway more consistently this week than Justin did. And, and so at the end of the day, that's what it kind of did. So it wasn't about the distance, but it was about the accuracy. So Mitch... I know we all want to hit it far. It's the cool thing. Um, you know, chicks dig the long ball, as they say. But um, it's really about hitting it in play and, and giving yourself the best opportunity to get the next one close. 
Well, everybody, and we'll wrap it up for the week. Thanks so much for listening. Um, get out, play some golf. I know tournament season is is back in a mist, and we're seeing events popping up. We've got uh, a Pro-Am uh, coming up in Morristown in a couple of weeks, or actually Monday, Tuesday. Um, so hopefully I'll have some resorts on it next week. Um, get out, play in your local Pro-Ams. Get out and play with your friends and pals. Get out, enjoy the beautiful weather we got coming over, and just work on that game and help lower those scores. Everybody have a great week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.